Thank you very much. First, it is a singular privilege for me to appear on this program together with Harav Dr. Tversky Shalita, who for me is a hero figure, someone who is not afraid to expose the flaws of our Torah society, not a believer in sweeping these problems under the rug, but rather in confronting them head on. And of course, as with any such uh, brave individual, confronting problems head on has its detractors. Uh, the Rav has told me in the past about certain of his works that, I don't know, I guess we'll use the right word, banned. They were banned because it doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, reflect well on our, on our society. Um, his book on Gaelic is not out yet, so I'm not sure it was, if it will be banned or not. Uh, for his sales, for the sake of his sales, I hope it's banned. These, these books do very well. <laughs> but certainly, with where I'm coming from, the Rav is a real a heroic figure, and uh, again, in teaching us, he's a Rebbe to many of us, teaching us what's going on in the real world, and tonight's session on gambling is certainly an example of his uh, bravery as being one of those in the forefront of bringing this problem to our attention. I'd like to begin as a typical uh, shul rabbi uh, by quoting the parsha Shavua. The Gemara tells him a sechtachulin tafzari aleph medbeis. And the post we read yesterday, shalcheni ki ola hashachar. Yaakov Avinu uh, is fighting with uh, this uh, Sorosh Shalasov. He says, let me go, because the dawn is, is, is rising. So the Gemara tells us that Yaakov asks him, why must you run away just because the dawn is rising? Are you a thief? Or are you a, quote, Kubiustus? That's obviously a word which is not found in the Tanakh. What does it mean, Kubiustus? So, Tosus explains, is Kubiustus from the word cube. Mesachet bekubia. Cubes means dice. There were dice apparently in antiquity as a form of, of gambling. And Tosus goes on to say, quote, Darko Leos typically gamble, gamblers owe money to many individuals. And he hides himself so that those to whom he owes the money, the gambling debts, will not find him. So therefore, Yaakov tells him, Are you running away when the dawn arises because you owe money to people because you're a gambler? And the Yaakov Shimoni, tough, tough Memzayim, the expression is, the opinion of Tosus is confirmed. When we read Kubiustus, Ach Shavholech Umisachek. Now he goes out to play, of course invoking the Mishnaic phrase Mesachek Bekuvia, one who plays with dice, a gambler. Uma'abed es kelov. He loses, we say his shirt, he literally loses his shirt, he loses everything in his gambling habits. So this is a problem which goes back to antiquity. It's not a new problem uh, that uh, people losing their money in gambling. 
Now, I was asked to give some of a, of a halachic overview, uh, and I will not be going into every last detail in terms of the issue of gzela, uh, of theft, which is of course a clear, a major halachic problem in the context of gambling. Suffice it to say that we are taught in the Mishnah and the Gemara Masech the Sanhedrin that the Masachik Bakuvia is posel liedus. He is disqualified from testifying in a Jewish court of law, presumably because of something connected with gezel, with theft. And there are great disputes and numerous details. To make a long story short, according to some authorities, in certain situations, a person who gambles and wins, if you gamble and lose, you cannot be called a thief. Perhaps a fool, but not a thief. If you gamble and win, however, you are very likely a thief. In some cases, you could be a thief on a Torah level, a Gazlan Midoraisa. There may be, I don't want to be to hide anything, there may be cases according to certain Rishonim, according to certain of our early commentators, in certain situations where perhaps the money is put up front in advance and it's a question of who has to own the table where the money is found. There's a lot of complicated details. In some such cases, according to some authorities, a person has dodged the bullets of the violation of theft. And perhaps it would not be a violation either on the Torah level of theft or even on a rabbinical level of theft. However, that being said, the Shulchan Aruch, and generally speaking we follow the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch himself says that a person who gambles is in violation in all cases, he doesn't make distinctions where the money is found, etc., etc., is in violation of what we call in our language Avak Gezel, which means a rabbinic prohibition of theft. Now it's true, in the theory of relativity, a rabbinic prohibition of theft is not as bad as a Torah prohibition of theft. That's true. But nonetheless, it is a prohibition of theft. And in certain instances, it renders the person who is in violation of this rabbinic uh, prohibition of theft as being postal liatus, disqualified from testimony in a court of Jewish law. This is, of course, even true in the case of a casual or recreational gambler. Just even he plays once, he already can be considered disqualified in certain circumstances because of his categorization as a thief. We know a thief is not uh, credible when he testifies in a court of Jewish law. If, however, he is a, a, a compulsive gambler who is addicted to gambling, this is much, much worse. Much worse, both in real life it's much worse, in halacha it's much worse. It's a terrible thing. I want to tell you, I was speaking to someone about this gambling problem, and he was an Israeli. And he was using a term, which I understood after a while, was the, the equivalent in the Hebrew language, modern Hebrew language, for gambling. Does anybody in this audience know, or actually not for gambling, for, for addiction? Does anyone know what the modern Hebrew word for addiction is? Raise your hand. I'm sure the rabbi knows, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I pronounce it wrong. It's called Hitmakrut. Hitmakrut means literally selling yourself. As we find in the, in the last pasuk of the Torah, the worst possible thing is vismakartem, you're selling yourself. And it's called that because a person who is involved in addictions is simply selling himself away. He's selling himself, he's no longer considered to be in the category of a person who has free choice. The rabbi and I just came upstairs from a fascinating session over Dougie's with the high school boys. And, and Rav Tversky Shlita was explaining that a person who is addicted to any addiction is, loses his humanity. Becomes almost like an animal who has no free choice. 
That's the Hebrew word. Hit Makrut. He sold himself away. He no longer can control what he is doing. He's lost his Bechira Chavshin. My Rebbe, Harav Aaron Salavechik, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, wrote a piece in tradition in 1972 about addictions. He was discussing there primarily drug addiction at the time. And he said, a person who becomes addicted to anything, any harmful behavior, is in violation of a Torah prohibition. One of the 613 commandments. Which one? Which one? Where? Show me. Show me, Rabbi. Where does it say it? So, Rabbi Aaron, in his wisdom, was able to point to a place which he assumed said it. Now, there's a Sefer HaChinuch on the very famous uh, Torah prohibition. It happens to be number 387 in the count of the mitzvahs in the, of the Rambam in the Sefer HaChinuch. And it's called, a post we say every day, twice a day, we know what the Talmud teaches us in Masech Tabrachas has certain specific references. But the Sefer HaChinuch uh, says, and I quote, included in this Los Asuru is, Shalom Achar Tavas Olam A person shouldn't run after the lusts of this world. And what is the Shoresh? The Shekhinah always has a root. What's the root of this prohibition? Avera Goreres Avera. The famous Mishnah in Mesech Avos. One sin begets or leads to, inevitably, another sin. Vitava Mosheches. And this lust to repeat the action pulls you. And here's something which will be appreciated by all of those who know about addictions. Kimshok Hayayin Oshosov. As wine or alcohol is a, is a magnet pulling those who drink it. They simply cannot control themselves. They will never have their fill of wine. They have this incredible lust and desire for more and more and more wine. Will the fear Galam? The more they get used to it, the more their souls thirst for this lust, the wine in particular. And the more he's involved, the more the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, will become very strong. And someone who does this is always in violation of this lab of Los Asuru, Tomid Bechol Eis Isko, all the time. As I mentioned, my Rebbe Rabban Salavechi has specific reference to the uh, addiction of drugs. However, it seems to me it applies to all harmful addictions. They can be addictions which are good. Uh, I remember reading in the biography of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, Zeichat Tzadik Levrocha, that his wife said about him, My man is a shikr. My husband is a shikr, he's a drunkard. But the beverage that he was drunk for was learning Torah. Rabbi Moshe couldn't, he couldn't put down the Gemara. He just couldn't get, couldn't get away from it. So that kind of addiction, I hope the rabbi will agree with me, is something which is a very good thing. Could be drawn towards proper behavior. We know the Chazal say about David Amelech. He was also pulled. Wherever you want to go, his, his feet would pull him into the base medrash. That's a wonderful type of addiction. As opposed to somewhere he's going, his feet pull him to the bar or to the gambling parlor. That's a terrible addiction. So there are addictions which may be good in that sense. But 
uh, anything which is harmful or negative, they're all part of this general uh, problem of addictions. It's interesting, I brought a book with me by Rabbi Tversky, it's called uh, The Haggadah of Pesach, From Bondage to Freedom. I'm reading to you from page 10, which is really the first full page of the book. Uh, the first part of the story which the rabbi repeated to the boys about someone who sat at his father's Seder table, you don't know what it means to be a slave, daddy, because you, you don't know about what happened in, to Py- in Pyro's time, but I was a slave when I was an addict. I was a slave. And there was a particular example there was, was drugs. But, and I'm quoting, there are people who never use drugs but are nevertheless slaves to money or to power or to acclaim or to food indulgence and yes, to cigarettes. A person knows that they can take his life, can't help it. A person who loses control of any kind of his behavior is a slave. This is all terribly harmful behavior. You know, I believe that, to confirm what was said down by the Rabbi Tversky, that cigarette smoking is an absolute prohibition. It is simply dangerous to your health. I mean, statistically. Statistically means that a person who smokes is more than a 50% likelihood, I'm sure that if there are doctors who want to discuss the particular percentages, but they seem to all agree, that's the greater than 50% likelihood that such an individual will be shortening his life. And even if he's shortening it over a small period of years, he's not going to get clear lung cancer and die way before his time. He'll have some other problems. So he'll die only a year before his time, or a month before his time. You're taking your life. We are commanded by Hashem to be healthy, to try our best to extend our lives, and not to take these terrible risks, which are not just small risks, but, but major risks, perhaps even greater than 50%, for a longer period of losing, losing longevity. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The Chinuch writes that someone was, quote, Mesim Libo Someone who puts his focus on enjoying certain things in life. He has no positive intention whatsoever. In other words, He's not doing it because he wants to be healthy. A person can eat good food, he wants to be healthy. That's great. But he has no such intention. Rak, lahashlim, nafsho, betanugim. Just wants this worldly pleasures. Quote, over belav. He is in violation of a law, say, of a negative commandment. It's a very powerful statement. How much more so when the habit that he's forming is literally dangerous to his health. And yes, I'm sorry to say it, but I feel I must say it, that one who is chasing foods to an unhealthy extent, who is causing very likely major health problems, those who read the recent medical literature know that individuals who are uh, too big or overweight are putting themselves at risk for diabetes, for heart disease, this is prohibited. It's prohibited behavior. The Rambam in Hilchus Shuvah writes that Redifatamachalos, running after food inappropriately, is a prohibited behavior which requires a Shuvah process, even irrespective of the health hazard. 
how much more so in situations where this hazard exists and as a matter of fact this uh, presentation the dean was advertised in a few communities and someone came to me at a wedding last week and said you know what the biggest problem is we heard before from that the biggest problem is gambling said, the most prevalent addiction this, this fellow said to me is food food overeating and in this context I found out just again from meeting someone at the same wedding my wife actually met the person so the person lost 50 pounds and probably could use to lose a few more and how in the world did she do it? she joined a group called OE Overeaters Anonymous OA? correct Anonymous my, my spelling is not that bad thank you OA Overeaters Anonymous and, and, and this enables her to lose 50 pounds now, I'm not an expert the, the Rabbi Tversky is the expert when it comes to these kinds of, uh, of groups but if that's what it takes you've got to try to do it because you have to try to lead a healthy and long life it's very serious you can look it up in Perek Zion Halacha Gimel when a person gets involved in these kinds of activities quote it's very difficult to stop the Rambam without all the modern terminology understood what addiction is very difficult to stop let us go back now to the topic of, of, of gambling proper why has gambling become more serious now than until now it's obviously exploded as a problem for us, even in our community. One, gambling used to be illegal. People didn't want to do illegal acts. There were always those who did. But now gambling has been legalized. Not only legalized, glorified. Who doesn't know those slogans of the New York State Lottery? You know, uh, got a dream, a dollar and a dream, and all kinds of, <laughs> excuse me, different slogans. Capturing the imagination and the fancy of the individuals. Number two, there's the internet. You cannot gamble from the comfort of your home. No need to go to Atlantic City. Online. Online gambling. It's a terrible thing. Number three, there's more disposable income. A bracha, right? More income than we had before. But especially in certain groups, the, the greatest uh, rise... I read the book that was recommended by Rabbi Tversky called Behind the Eight Ball. The greatest rise in gambling is in the two populations, the young and the old. The young, high school students, who never had any money two generations ago, now they have money. And they gamble it. And they get hooked. And the old, the old had, you know, just was subsisting. And therefore they had to watch themselves so carefully. Now that many of them have a little extra income, and then they get hooked, and sometimes they lose their social security, they lose everything. So these groups especially have a, a, a big uh, rise. And let's not forget the major reason that poker, for example, has become popular in the yeshivas. And I say the words as well, in the yeshivas. is because poker has become popular in the American culture at large. When we read in Tehillim, And they became mixed in with the non-Jews and they learned from their actions. It's as true today as it was in the time of David HaMelech. And the fact that poker has become popular, it's, really, it's, it's apparently it's now glorified in TV programs. I read about it myself in one of the recent news magazines. It's something which is becoming so, so popular in the general population. It influences us as well. We are not insulated. 
We are a more modern Orthodox community, certainly not insulated, but unfortunately, I'm told, even the more we'll call Haredi population is not insulated from some of these, from all of these manifestations of the modern society. We, we, we learn, we pick up from others. It is true that there is even a mitzvah element. Yeah, mitzvah element. Sometimes the mitzvah is the hook which gets us involved in various of these uh, addictions. You know, there are many people who began smoking on Purim. You know, Purim, you know, it's, 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 it's a day of merriment, so they gave us some cigarettes. There are many who unfortunately became alcoholics as a result of drinking at what we'll call the mitzvah events. I was recently at a, at a meeting with a, a number of doctors who were speaking to, the, to a, uh, some very distinguished rabbonim and they were complaining about giving out beer at a Shalom Zohar. And one rabbi said, it's a terrible thing. They put out beer at the Shalom Zohar and the teenagers are there and the teenagers have no seichel, they have no common sense and they get drunk rejoins the other rabbi and the people who put out the beer they have no seichel well, that was a very was a zinger that was a good line they, 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 they don't understand what's going on they're putting things in the way of youngsters who don't know any better and once they get hooked they get hooked it's a terrible thing there are individuals who get hooked on cigarettes there was a discussion at that same meeting of rab- rabbis prohibiting cigarettes until the age of 18. Now, in my humble opinion, it's prohibited at any age because it, it, it can destroy your life. But if they can't do it for whatever reason, they can't make an absolute blanket prohibition for whatever reason, at least prohibit it until the age of 18. Statistics show that if you, if you somehow survive until that age without being hooked, the chances are very, very small that you're going to be. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will happen. We have to hope for progress. The problems are, are so great. We live in a specific period in American history when gambling is becoming much more popular. But we are also living in a particular time when gambling can be in Yona Dioma even in the Torah community. In exactly a week there are two days back to back which were often gambling nights even within, we'll call it the Hasidic or Haredi community. This Moti Shabbos is called Nittelnacht. Some of you may know what that means. Nittelnacht, which is uh, otherwise known as Christmas Eve, was a time when people were afraid to go to the base Medis, whatever the reasons were. There were those who would play cards on Nittelnacht. Just now, someone was telling me from uh, his, his, his father was a doctor living in Manhattan and they would get together once a year on Nittelnacht and they'd play some kind of a German card game which uh, he wasn't able to explain to me exactly. Nittelnacht. The very next night, a week from tonight, is the first night of Hanukkah. And unfortunately, Hanukkah is also a time when there were certain gambling activities. If it's dreidel, we heard before from Raptorsky, if you play dreidel, you're playing with pennies. And when the game is over, you put it all in the pushka. <laughs> okay. But apparently there were those who would play cards on Hanukkah. You can imagine back to back. One night cards, Nittelnacht. Next night cards for Hanukkah. Both are terrible. The Orach HaShulchan says as follows. Hasochakim beklofim onshon rav. 
Those who play cards on Hanukkah, their punishment is great. Due to our many sins, this plague has afflicted large portions of the house of Israel. And many different types of sins are dependent upon these card games. One has the ability to stop this, it has a great measure of reward. I'm hoping that perhaps this awareness, which this evening is, has brought us together for, will stop some of these activities. Let's start with Nittelnach, let's start with Chagah. Don't play cards. I give you a head to learn Torah on Nittelnach. I give you a head. And even on Chanukah, yes, if you look in the Shulchan Aruch, you're supposed to be learning Torah on Chanukah when the candles are, are, are being lit. Whatever you're doing, please stay away from cards. The Aruch HaShulchan does not tell us what many Averis are Tluyas present, but I, my hunch is that the biggest Averis is what we spoke about earlier. Avera Goreris Avera. You get used to the cards on Chanukah, you'll be playing it straight till next Chanukah. Chalil Vachas. That's the biggest problem. You get hooked in a semi-mitzvah, quasi-mitzvah attitude, and it's a terrible terrible thing now the truth is what is Hanukkah really what is the real meaning of Hanukkah the real meaning of Hanukkah is precisely not to learn from the ways of the non-Jews around us you know that Hanukkah was a a, a fight between the forces of Torah and the forces of Greece Yavon. But it wasn't only the Yavonim, the Greek non-Jews, it was the Misyavnim, known as the Hellenists. Unfortunately, in our Torah society, there are individuals who are picking up the habits of the general culture, the, gen- the general society, including this idea of gambling, and are doing it. And if they're doing it, it's a terrible thing. And on Hanukkah, instead of giving in to this, we should be, in fact, fighting against it. I'd like to quote Rabbi Tversky one more time in his this beautiful book, which is a, a technically a, a Haggadah. He goes through the various holidays and he explains uh, how they relate to, to 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 addictions. The truth is, what are addictions? He said before, Hitmakut, you're selling yourself. What's the opposite? The opposite is you're not a slave, but you're free. Our rabbis have told us, the ultimate free person is one who's involved in Torah and, and mitzvahs and is not, he's in full control of the situation. He's not given up his freedom to choose. That's the, that's the ultimate in, in freedom. And it's been written not only in, in, in this book, but in, even in, in secular, we'll call them secular books, that the antidote to gambling is spirituality. A person who leads a spiritual existence is unlikely to be involved in gambling or even any other of the, of the addictions. Yes, as we mentioned before, there's the idea of self-esteem. People who, who gamble because they want to make a name for themselves. And they, don't, they just don't have this self-image which is that they have any worth. As we explained downstairs to the boys, we believe that every human being has self-worth. Certainly every member of Am Yisrael, every descendant of Avraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov has self-worth. And we, speaking as Rabbanim, perhaps don't work hard enough to give them that 
self-esteem that they, they so desperately need. That they are meaningful, that they, have, that they are good people and they have what they do in their lives and the choice they make have impact on, on themselves, their families and the entire world. And there's no need to become involved in addictions to somehow find a, a feeling of, of importance. And we have this idea of Hanukkah. The idea of Hanukkah is that we have the ability of fighting, fighting forces that we seem, seem to be more powerful than ourselves. Many people who are on borderline of, of addiction find that the urge to get involved is supposedly more powerful than themselves, but not true. You can overcome, as the Maccabees overcame uh, more powerful forces. More than that, an individual learns from the story of Hanukkah, and I'm quoting again, to take one day at a time. They shouldn't say, well, why bother lighting the menorah? It's not going to work. It's not enough for eight days. Just, just work on that day. Every single day is, is important. And, finally, to quote verbatim, do your very utmost with what you have, and pray for divine help for whatever is beyond your ability to control. A message of Hanukkah, an important message for all of us to avoid the addiction problem in general and the problem of gambling in particular. I'd like to conclude with the following. The Gemara tells us that a, uh, we are more strict in the context of who is disqualified from testimony in the situation of a gambler when someone is, quote, Eino Osek B'Yishuvo Shel Olam which means literally he's not involved in the settling of the world. In some court of some authority, it means he doesn't have a job. He's trying to earn, earn his keep only from gambling. That's one of the interpretations. The truth is that everybody who gambles is simply, at that point in time at least, this pastime has absolutely no positive results. Nothing. There are people who spend their time doing things, perhaps more time than necessary, but there's a positive result. People are, want to be in shape, they, they go to the gym, so they have something comes out of it that they're, they're in, better, in better health, okay, sometimes it's overdone, but it has a positive result. This particular pastime, sometimes it sharpens the brain in the sense that it, uh, it, can, it can help you think about logical things and it can help you when you're learning Torah, but this is just, it's just, just whittling the time away. It's a terrible thing. A terrible thing. If it's just to let to pass the time, you're, you're wasting your time, which is itself terrible. If you're going to gain, gain money, you're going to certainly gain it perhaps at one time, ultimately you're going to lose. Ultimately those who gain in gambling are losers. So if you're, t- if you're playing uh, some of these houses against, you, oh, the house always wins. You can't, you can't win at the end. There are a few cases which people stop well, they say they know what to fold them. Some of them know what to fold, or some of them. There are such rare people who may come out ahead, but that's a rarity. Most people just lose from the beginning, or those who don't may win a little bit and lose more at the end, which is even worse. And therefore, it's a terrible thing. Aside from stealing money, and these two guests steal money from somebody else, as terrible or even worse in the, in the general perspective is stealing your own life, your own time. Stealing the time that Hashem gave you. Hashem gave you a certain amount of time in this world. He gave it to you so you can be involved in Torah. So you can do mitzvahs. So you can do gemilas chasadam to help others. You know, just like to conclude with a bracha, we're going to say exactly a week from tonight. We're going to say, Shechayanu, Vikimanu, Vigiyanu, Lazman Hazem. 
literally it means we thank God for giving us life so we can celebrate Zman Hazel, which means the period of time known as Chanukah. That's what it means. However, it means much more than that. It means that there's a certain time. Zman Hazel. This time that we have the, the Hashpa, the influence of the light of Chanukah, we should be privileged to, quote, see the light. See the light, see how harmful addictions are. Stop gambling. Stop the other addictive behavior. Use the quote, Zman Hazer, the time that Hashem gives us and blesses us with, with life, with health, with nachas, with parnasa, with the ability to earn a livelihood. And if, indeed, in our time, we will be successful in eradicating this, what the Baruch HaShulchan calls this negatzaras, which is prevalent in Beis Yisrael, in the house of Israel, then, if we'll be successful, we'll be able to bless with a complete heart, Shechayanu, Nikiyamanu, Vigiyanu, Lazman Hazeh. Thank you very much.